Christ, of course, then ultimately died, gave up his life for his people on the cross. And this is the picture for the husband on how he provides protection for the wife. Likewise, the husbands express leadership by protecting his wife at all costs. And of course, in the end, the protection that Christ provides for his church ultimately protects the bride from eternal wrath, the very wrath of God. That's what we're protected from. And so the husband has a role. And of course, sacrifice always brings with it burden. Leadership always brings with it a certain amount of weight. This is no easy things to do. It's not easy being a husband in this world or at any time. It's a difficult thing. And most young men who anticipate getting married in their life, they have no clue what they're getting into. But if they begin to think about a passage like this and begin to look at themselves in this role, they will enter marriage which, which with much more sobriety and, and, and none of this fickleness and foolishness and uh, just the level of emotional lust that people enter into marriage uh, today without considering the responsibility of it, the leadership of it, and this is no easy thing. So for somebody who doesn't know Christ, it's even a more difficult thing. But if you know Christ, you have the help of God on your side. You have the help of God with the promise that he's going to reverse what sin has corrupted in this institution, and he's going to cause you day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, to reap the joyful benefits of this institution. Christ loves her church. Husbands ought to love their wives to the point of this kind of sacrifice. Now, a second thing under how a husband protects his wife is found in verse number 26. How does Jesus do it? Jesus Christ sets her apart and cleanses her. Verse 26 says, So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word of God. So what does Christ do? He not only dies for his church, pays the price for his church, but he also sets his church apart by the word of God. He sanctifies the church by the word of God. He cleanses the church by the word of God. That's what he does. And that's what the spirit of God is doing now in your life. He's washing you with the word. He's setting you apart with the word. He's causing you to think more like Christ with the word of God. He's causing husbands to realize, you know what? I have really uh, have not been a, a husband that is looking at my wife as a uh, fragile vessel, as a, a, a cherished vessel, and, and I'm, I'm taking care of myself, and I'm not necessarily taking care of her. And sometimes men leave it in one place. Well, I, I, I went and I worked, and I'm, we're paying the bills, and that's my responsibility wrong. That's just only one part of it. That's not the whole part. See, when a polluted person comes to believe in Jesus Christ by receiving the gospel, they are washed clean by his blood. Christ's sacrifices reverses the process of of uncleanness and makes one fit to approach the Lord and come into his holy presence. So Jesus Christ uses the word to cleanse the church and to present the church pure in the end. In fact, 
the washing of the water by the word. There's one other passage that, that uses the same word that's similar is in Titus 3, 5, where it says this, be, uh, he saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration and the renewing by the Holy Spirit. So we have two put together here, the sense of the word of God making new and the Holy Spirit continuing that renewing process on a regular basis. One example I can use, at least in the realm of words, if Christ uses the word of God to, to set apart his church and strengthen his church, then men all also should be men of the word of God. Uh, their minds being washed and cleansed by the word on a regular basis, which they can now live up uh, to what the Lord is calling them to do in the protection of their wives. But also, just in a very practical way, men can use words either, either to break and defile a relationship, or they can practice words that build up and make stronger relationship. See, men use words that will make for a clean and sincere and potentially a deep relationship with his wife, or he can do the opposite of that. Just like the Lord in, in the Word of God, when he gives his church edification, like he, he says to us, he loves us. He doesn't tell us the reason why he loves us. He just says he does. Now, we do find out later on in, in, in studying the character of God that God is love. So out of his very nature comes uh, love towards other people, uh, other objects, love within the Trinity, and then love from the Trinity flows into love for his people, his congregation, his body. So he tells us, I have loved you. He says, I forgive you in Scripture. He, he says to us that he will never leave us or forsake us. He tells us that he doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, this gives us strength. This gives us confidence on who he is. So we can respond to God so we don't have to guess what God is going to do. God's already told us what he's going to do. He, he already told us what his character is. So even when we sin, we don't run from God with our sin because God's a God who's going to punish us and, and slam us to the ground and ultimately uh, send us into an eternal hell after conversion. No, but we run to God with our sin because he says to do that. He says, come to me. And uh, he tells us in like in 1 John, to confess your sins, and he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. See, that makes for a good relationship when a husband is forgiving in his words and his actions and his demeanor to his wife. That, that is the Spirit of God working through him to protect his wife, at least in the area of emotions and spiritual strength. So men, why can't you? through your words written and spoken to your wife, say to her uh, the things that you ought to say to her that will encourage her uh, and uh, build her up and the attitudes that will help her be a better mother and wife in the home. If the husband's leadership is not there in that way, exemplifying those things, then it's very difficult for the wife to, uh, to want to submit to her husband the way she ought to. See, he's, he always, whatever the wife does, the husband always bears the responsibility in the, at the end result. It, he never could say, well, it's my wife, it's my wife, it's my wife. He can't say that. 
Because God's going to say to the husband, come here, husband, let me, I want to talk to you. How's it been going in your house? How you been, how, what kind of husband you been? But, but Lord, my wife, no, I, I'm talking to you. You are the leader. Don't reverse the roles on me. You bear the responsibility. You bear the burden. That's the role I gave you as a man. Don't give that up. Don't ignore that. Don't, pr- don't push that to the side. No, that's what you ought to do. That's what you're called to do as a man. So if Christ keeps the church clean by his word, men, why shouldn't you work hard at it yourself? Using wholesome and good and uplifting words in your home and with your wife, that will give her a sense of worth and value that will bring her to a place where she can carry out her submissive role to respect you. And that's what men want. Men want respect. That's how she loves her husband, by respecting him, by affirming his leadership, by coming behind him uh, in that way. That's how it works. Of course, all over the word of God, it tells us, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as good is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. In Proverbs, it says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up angry. A smooth tongue is a tree of life, but perversion in it crushes the spirit. Also, in verse 27 of Ephesians chapter 5, there's another way in which this protection is displayed in Christ, is that Christ makes her bride presentable. It says in verse 27 that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. That it is the responsibility of the head Christ to present to himself. What does he do? He's, Christ is presenting the body, his bride, to himself as a bride that is adorned for her marriage, without spot, without wrinkle, holy and blameless. Can, can we as husbands do that? Husbands expressing leadership by protecting his wife and family from any harmful evil, anything that could contaminate that the, the relationship, And practically, this may include any kind of sinful practice, thought patterns, harmful influences, harmful influences from people, even family members. He needs to be careful about and protect his family from. Sometimes, and it is his role to do it. So men, we can't be wimps. We've got to stand up. We've got to speak up. Right? Why? Because we're called to protect our family. We're called to protect our wife. We're called to take the lead, to get out in front and sacrifice, to to do what it takes to carry out this mandate given to us. That's what we're called to do. Husbands should pursue godliness in order to know what it means to please God so he can please God, and when he pleases God, then he'll learn how to be a leader to his wife and family, and in practicing that on a day-by-day basis, he'll get better and better at it. 
and he'll reap the benefits from it. But there's a second expression of his leadership, not only that of protecting, but there's a second, uh, a, a second uh, expression of it, and it's found in verse 28 and 29, and that is provision. Now, this is one that most men don't have a hard time with, at least how I observed it, but notice what it says here. It says in verse 28, so husbands ought, to, ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, verse 29, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it. Now, the bottom line for this is provision. The man provides for his own body, the needs of his body, the needs of his life. He provides for that. Well, the bottom line here is that the husband ought to love his wife in the same manner that he cares for his own body, whether it be physical, emotional, or spiritual. Or maybe I should say whether it be spiritual, um, physical, and emotional. Put the spiritual first. That the husband is to take the initiative to see the needs of his wife and children are met. What needs are we talking about? Well, let's take for the needs of, of, of nourishment. Verse 29, he nourishes and cherishes it just as, notice, Christ does the church. Who nourishes and cherishes the church? The head does. Christ does, right? And he does it by, of course, giving us his spirit, giving us his word, leading us, giving us the means of grace in his church fellowship, as, as in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. He nourishes us in that way. And the word nourish means to strengthen, to build up both spiritually, physically, and emotionally. The word cherish speaks of an attitude of caring, valuing, and looking after someone tenderly. Of course, physically, that would be kind of an easy one, food and shelter. And, you know, wives, not even looking at the, the, the end of the wives, sometimes whatever your husband, by the gifts and means he's been given him to provide for you, that's what you should be satisfied with. If he's doing the best he can to provide food and shelter, clothes, finances, and all those kind of things uh, to take care of your needs, then that's what you are to affirm. You know? But I think there's another area that men neglect, including myself, is the emotional part. And, and also another area, and that's the uh, spiritual part. But asking yourself, like it says in Peter, living with her in an understanding way, right? One thing that has been baffling men for all of time is how a woman works emotionally. No one has figured it out. No one will figure it out. Except the man who studies his wife and doesn't immediately respond to all her words or actions, but he may say to himself, step back and says, you know what, my wife doesn't normally act like this. Why would she be acting like this today? What's happened in her life? What events have taken place that's causing her to have this kind of emotional ongoings? And a man will sit back who's being led by the Spirit of God and, and ask himself, how can I understand my wife so I can, I can provide 
spiritual and emotional nourishment to her soul? How can I pray for her in this uh, difference of acting towards me? You know, and it could be anything. But this is what a man ought to be doing who is actually acting like someone who nourishes and cherishes the church, Christ. That's how Christ acts towards us, right? When the Lord says, come and pray to me, he, didn't, he doesn't even say to us in Scripture, come and pray, just pray these things. He says, come to me and cast your care on me, right? And don't worry about some things, but cast them on me. Why? Because I understand. And when you can't pray, the Spirit of God's going to pray for you. See, God is providing for His church in our incredible weakness so we can continue to move forward in Christ-likeness. In spite of circumstances and in spite of weaknesses, Christ is providing for those times. So the husband emotionally helping her in her desires, trying to make her feel and look not like she's inadequate, not like she's a fool, but she is a cherished vessel vessel in your home. So husbands... This is where I see leadership fail in a great way when it comes to husbands because husbands don't usually take the initiative when it comes to reconciliation and forgiveness and understanding what my wife is going through, right? I think most women will raise their hand and say, you're right about that. Do I have all the answers on how to... If I wrote a book on that and I was able to hit everything right on the head... I'd be the wealthiest man on the earth. But I'm not able to do that because every circumstance and situation is so different that a a man who's walking with the Spirit and begins to not react, knee-jerk react all the time, and now he's getting angry and frustrated and and all those kind of things, and then, you know, it takes days for it to calm down. It shouldn't be days. It should be before the sun goes down, right, if you're going to follow the Word of God. And that, listen, you have to think as a man, listen, I'm, I'm a sinner. Christ, the Father forgave me because of Christ. I need to forgive. That's how the Lord led me. That's his leadership for me. I ought to forgive my wife. Right? Like Christ forgave me. And then I'm being an example of my headship, Christ Jesus. And so therefore I can provide that same headship in doing what he did. See, there's the foundational principle. There's the picture. The picture's coming alive in my marriage. I'm doing what Christ wants me to do. So husbands, go ahead and take the initiative in reconciliation and forgiveness and sitting back and understanding your wife when it comes to the things you don't understand. And there's no books written on it. There's no website you're going to go to get the answers. There's no download you're going to get. There's not a message you're going to hear on the iPod. It's got to be you sitting back with your wife's unique character and abilities and that what you know of her up until that day since you married her, that my wife is acting in a way that she doesn't normally act. Why? I'm only given one situation, and I'm not even given a specific situation, but I, I believe you know what I mean. So I think we need to take take the lead in these matters and work hard 
at making them a part of our daily living. We will avoid a lot of things if we do that. But there's another area I believe that men are to provide in. Men, you're going to work, you're digging a ditch to pay the bills, you're digging a ditch and paying the bills, right? You're doing that, all right? You're beginning to understand, okay, my wife's different than me, she's wired different than me, I have a different role than she does, uh, she has a different role than I do, I want to please God, I want to be led by the Spirit, I want to follow the headship of Jesus Christ in my own life as a man, and I want to be the head in my family. I don't want to skirt my leadership responsibilities. I don't want to run from them. I don't want to run from the burden of them. I do want to sacrifice for my wife. Well, if any of those things are going to get done, I have found the only way they are going to get done is if I take care of the spiritual part of it. And the spiritual part of it is not... One of them, one of the, the real basic spiritual parts of, of meeting this spiritual uh, provision of my wife is simply taking her to hear the Word of God. Hearing the Word of God myself, but taking her to hear it, taking my family to hear it, taking my family to Sunday school, taking my family to prayer and to home groups and to serve the Lord with His body together. Taking them so that emotional and the spiritual part of it can be filled up. Often when it comes to spiritual things, the man's absent. See, we need to pray for our wife, her spiritual growth and her sanctification, and our children's spiritual growth and sanctification. But we have to lead in it spiritually. We have to be, be the ones saying we're going to church. We have to be the ones who are saying we're going to be reading the Bible. We have to be the ones who are saying we're not going to do this and we're going to do that because this is harmful to our spiritual walk with Christ. This is helpful to our spiritual walk with Christ. See, it's got to be the man who does that. If you have a debate every time you decide whether you ought to be assembled with God's people or not, you're already in trouble. That's not leadership. That's indifference. Leadership is you do it to the point where it becomes such a habit, you don't even talk about it, this is what we do. Why? Because the man has led it to be so. Christ did not... He was not indifferent when it came to dying for our sins. He took the initiative. Men, we ought to take the initiative. We need to learn to understand our wives, their fears, their limitations, and make adjustments along the way, growing older, physically, mentally, weaknesses, children coming, grandkids, all phases of life. We need to think of those things. They do affect us. But it's the responsibility of the man to figure it out. And believe me, if you're trying to figure it out, I think your wife will come alongside of you and help you. She may fill in the blanks you can't. That's why you're one. That's why you're a unity. Just like when it comes to walking and living the Christian life. I don't know how to live the Christian life. Do you? But I come to the Word of God, and the Word of God tells me, wait a minute, I ought not to be doing this, but I ought to be doing this. 
It tells me what sin is, what pleases God, what doesn't please God. It tells me, and it informs me. Why? It informs me, it gives me strength to nourish me and to cherish me in my physical and emotional and spiritual well-being so I can actually live the Christian life in the power of God's Spirit. And I can be a Christian husband in the power of God's Spirit. Never a perfect person, but one who direction is following God's word. You know, I ran across a humorous story that challenges the view of those who reject the idea that men are called to be leaders in their homes. You know, you know what that's called? That's called uh, egalitarianism. Uh, someone who's an egalitarian who believes that, uh, and men are holding this view just as well as women, that men really don't have the leadership in the home. Uh, it's kind of a mutual thing, you know? One will lead, another will lead, and back and forth, leadership. And, and it, it, but that's not what God intends in the Word of God. So if that is true, if that is true, in an egalitarian marriage, the husband should be able to say to his wife, if there is a sound downstairs during the night, and it might be a burglar, Remember, last time I went to check it out, so this time it's your turn. Now, she should be able to, he should be able to say that, right? But you know what? Really, that's not what a man who takes leadership does. What does he do? He protects his family, right? He says, I'm going to go down there and check it out. He's going to confront the intruder and the burglar. Why? Because he is a man. He is the head. He's the leader. That's what he does. That's who he is. That's how God made him. And so therefore, that's really an ironic way to think that the roles can be reversed like that. You know, there's the man wimping in the corner while the woman's going to fight his battles. That doesn't look like leadership to me, does it? No, a man's out there getting bruised and beaten for the sake of protecting his family. Well, anyway, why should you men nourish and cherish your wife? Why should you do that? I would say this, because you are following the example of Christ as your head, and while you are maintaining oneness with your wife, you will actually show how Christ loved the church by you living out those principles and practicing those principles before a lost and dying world. And believe me, when you do that, you will have a great influence and impact on people around you who don't have a clue what to do in their marriage. And you, the Spirit of God and the Word of God, and years of practice can be a great help and benefit to them and, and to boot, give them an opportunity to uh, hear the gospel, not only from your life, but from your lips. So the man is willing at all costs to protect and provide for his wife and family with the help that is given to him by the Holy Spirit. Men, I would say today that you ought to love your wives, including myself, so she gets the sense. So she gets the real sense that her marriage is strong, 
that you have an unbreakable trust amongst each other, no matter where you go or how, uh, what period of time you're separate, that your marriage will endure the most severe trials and storms that are going to come your way and my way in our life without breaking apart in the storm. So that we need to do everything to make our homes a place where our wives feel loved and needed and special and secure because Christ has done everything possible for you and I as his church to make his church feel loved and needed and special and secure for all eternity. We are acting like Christ when we live and walk in the footprints of Jesus Christ in our marriage. Now, I did not address wives, and I don't have time to do that, and I won't do that today. But wives, I do have to leave you with the last few verses. All right? So let's look at our Bibles one one more time. Because I want to say this, and this is the passage of Scripture where it comes from. Remember, wives are different in their roles. And wives, you are to make, you are to do everything to make your home a place where your husbands are honored and respected. Look what it says in verse 32. The mystery is great, but I speak with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. There it is. There's that corruption of sin that came in. You become a believer, and Christ is reversing the whole thing. Right? But but unfortunately, well, it doesn't happen by rubbing a lamp and saying all those things are going to be present. Right? And uh, our kids know that we're not perfect and that do we lose it from time to time? Do we drop the ball? Uh, Do we act like complete idiots and jerks? Yes. And I'm saying it like that because it's, just downright true uh but you know what it doesn't have to be so for the rest of our life right it doesn't have to be so just a little admonition for husbands maybe a lot of admonition for husbands for this father's day and and uh for those who uh lost fathers this year uh just thank the lord for him giving you a father for as long as he has given you a father, and um, and I'm thankful for my father and my mother, and I thank I'm thankful also to the Lord for the long life they He's given them. Um, I always feared as a little kid uh, that somehow my I would lose my parents when I was young, you know. And the Lord uh, kind of answered that prayer, and I thank I'm thankful for that. Um, but this this life is not the end, and um, I thank the Lord for his plan of salvation and him saving uh, those who were our parents to uh, take them to be with him in glory. So as the, as the principle is understood, then the practice becomes a joy. And the principle is unity and oneness, yet different roles. The man is the head, which is le- equal to leadership. And leadership is expressed by the man in protection and provision. And in doing so, uh, 
you will reap what God intended when he first designed marriage. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thanks again for the word of God. And I know, Lord, this is not the first time we need to look at passages of Scripture that relate to the marriage and the home and the responsibilities that lie there. But I pray, Lord, what we do know of it at this point in our Christian walk, I pray, Lord, that we would not just know it in theory. I pray, Lord, that you would enable us to know it in practice. Help us to do that, Lord, because we're so weak and vulnerable. There's so many distractions in the world. Help us to eliminate some of those so we can pay more attention to the things that are needed. And I pray, Lord, as we do that, that your grace and your mercy uh, would be extended to us on a regular and a daily basis as we put these principles into practice that you would show us, Lord, uh, the blessings that come because of it, even the fruit that come because of it, and that, Lord, our homes would be pictures of how Christ loved the church. Lord, help us by your Spirit do the things you ask us to do. Thank you, Lord, that you do. Let it be for the sake of your great name and the glory of your great name. And I pray this in Christ. Amen.